The Hard Math of the Energy Transition, June 5, 2022. Getting to zero emissions by 2050, the goal set by the UN in order to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees centigrade above pre-industrial times, is technically well within reach. Not with intermittent solar panels and windmills, extracting all the minerals necessary for their manufacture plus enormous backup is implausible. Kinder Morgan's enhanced oil recovery process pumps CO2 into mature oil wells to push out additional crude. This is carbon capture, use, and sequestration, or CCUS. The CO2 emitted by power plants, cement, and steel factories, and other industrial users can also be captured for permanent burial without being used. This is called CCS. There is reported to be bipartisan support for a CCS tax credit of up to $150 per metric ton, a level many in the industry believe would spur investment in the necessary infrastructure. The U.S. emits just under 5 billion tons of CO2 from fossil fuel combustion annually. As a simple example, assuming transportation went fully electric, swapping gasoline for natural gas to produce more electricity at $150 per metric ton we'd spend $750 billion eliminating energy-related CO2. This is just under 4% of GDP, roughly the same as our defense budget. J.P. Morgan estimates that to sequester 15 to 20% of U.S. CO2 emissions via CCS would require moving 1.2 billion cubic meters of CO2, more volume than U.S. crude oil production. This would require a lot of new infrastructure. Direct air capture, or DAC, removes CO2 from the air. This is another technically feasible strategy, especially if the world misses the UN's goal and needs to remediate. Although one might think the atmosphere is swollen with CO2, it's currently around 412 parts per million, or 0.0412%. This relatively low concentration means a lot of air needs to be processed to remove a metric ton of CO2. By contrast, power plant emissions range from 1 to 15% CO2, and chemical and industrial plant emissions range from 20 to 95%. J.P. Morgan recently published a research paper examining prospects for DAC. There are two main technologies, one using a liquid and the other a solid, which bind to the CO2 in air passed over them. Climeworks operates a prototype facility in Switzerland. DAC uses energy. J.P. Morgan estimates 4.9 gigajoules per metric ton of CO2 removed, or 1.37 megawatt hours. To put this in perspective, if the U.S. chose to remove the 5 billion tons of energy-related CO2 released annually, this would require 6.8 terawatt hours of electricity. We currently generate 4.1 terawatt hours. And if this 6.8 terawatt hours of additional electricity wasn't generated from 100% renewables, there would be further CO2 capture required. J.P. Morgan estimated a range of costs for DAC of between $191 and $454 per metric ton. At some scale, the price could be at the low end of the range, but could also exhaust availability of critical inputs, increasing the costs. The table below shows the cost in terms of global GDP of removing the 35 billion tons of energy-related CO2 that's emitted. None of the figures are politically acceptable in today's environment. Even at $50 per metric ton, 
it will be just under 2% of global GDP. Note that this analysis only considers the 35 billion tons of energy-related CO2 emitted globally. Total emissions of global greenhouse gases, including methane, are estimated at 50 billion tons of CO2 equivalent. This also assumes the world relies fully on capturing CO2 to reach the 0 by 50 UN goal. Increased use of renewables, coal to gas switching, much more nuclear power, and development of hydrogen are all being pursued to varying degrees. The EU trading system for carbon permits currently prices CO2 emissions at around 90 euros, about $94.50 per metric tonne. This can be thought of as the low end of the range of cost to reach zero by 50, because current trends and policies suggest we're not on that path. Applied globally, that is equivalent to 3.5% of GDP just to remove our energy-related CO2 emissions. There is lots of innovation going on. For example, Next Decade estimates that they can provide CCS services at a cost of $57 per metric ton before financing. Given the financial payoff for technologies that can reduce or eliminate emissions cheaply, we should expect plenty of positive surprises. Carbon taxes, tax credits, and permits provide a rough guide to the low end of the range of cost involved in transitioning to zero-emission energy. They're generally set at a level needed to at least partially subsidize renewables or to impose an appropriate cost on emissions, depending on your view. They need to be high enough to induce behavioral change. Their cost reflects the ability of clean technologies to replace our current energy systems. The cost of carbon can also be thought of as incorporating the probability that we'll achieve substantially reduced CO2 levels. A falling cost would indicate improving competitiveness of alternative energies. That isn't happening, at least not yet. There is no indication that the world is willing to spend anywhere close to 3.5% of GDP in fighting climate change. U.S. gasoline prices are relatively low compared with most countries, and yet their rise this year prompted the administration to blame COVID, Putin, and just about everything other than their own policies, while symbolically releasing crude from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. There is little public support for paying more for energy, which means that the most likely outcome is continued growth in the consumption of all kinds of energy, modest gains in market share for intermittent solar and wind, and learning to cope with a warmer planet.